Barbecue's our passion, and that's just what you'll get where the Kim Burns is a barbecuer. Tales from the pits. Howdy, welcome to another episode of Tales from the Pits. This is Brian and Andrew. And this one is You've Got Questions, They've Got Answers. Not us, because we don't have answers. No, we have no answers, and we're kind of out of questions at this point, so we usually ask you, and you do the work for us. Isn't that wonderful? We should have been doing the podcast like that for years. I know. We just need the pitmasters to just record themselves, yes. and then we're done. Yes, yes. please. We'll just we'll, we'll hand you the mics and the recorders. We'll come back in an hour. It'd be wonderful. I, I like this. But no, no, we... Uh, we put it out there on Instagram of, you know, what would you, what questions would you have for some of the top people in barbecue if you could ask them anything? And uh, you guys came through and fine style. Um, I think there was a couple of questions that Brian and I kind of threw in there, but for the most part, these were all asked by you guys. And we reached out to a number of people, a good number of people replied back. And so we'll be sharing some of their answers and some of their insights to the questions you had. Um, we're going to try to, we're not going to give every single answer every single person gave to every single question because we don't want a two-hour episode. And sometimes they're similar answers, too. And so, and so yes, yeah, yeah. You know, only one needs to be represented. Right, yeah. right. So, but we'll uh, we'll give you some insights to you know, what some of the best and brightest in barbecue have to say about some of the things you had to ask. So, Brian, you want to take it away with question number one. Sure. Getting right into this. Um, you know, this is a, a hot topic, I think, Last year, there was a number of videos that popped up on Franklin's Secret, and this was like such a big deal on, on the medias uh, for a while, um, and that is tallow, and what we're talking about is liquid beef tallow um, that's usually added during the wrapping or after the wrapping before the slicing. We're not talking about any other use of tallow. Yeah, we're not talking about like rendered fat within the brisket while it's right. cooking. We're talking about the actual fat that you trim off the brisket that's then you know rendered into tallow and and liquid gold is a lot tend to call it right and this is the question is tallow is an integral part of the brisket process and is critical to producing great brisket yeah and we kind of post this to the pit masters as is that fact or fiction and then of course anyone that wanted to could expand on it they didn't just have to say fact fiction next question uh and and most did so let's uh let's start with uh Let's start with Lane's answer. Lane from Goldie's. Yep. So Lane is no. So, um, and to go into a little bit more detail, tallow does not fix a dry brisket, or does it not make it? It does not make a bad brisket good. Proper cooking temp and fire management makes a juicy brisket. Tallow is good for presentation and helps keep the sliced brisket fresh for longer. Um, if they didn't have to trim off the the brisket of the fat, so much of the fat off when they do trim it. Um, they wouldn't even bother making it. There you go. That's from Lane at Goldie's. Um, let's go to another one, Arnis. Arnis from Evie Mays. Um, he responded to that question with fiction, uh, saying they, they never used tallow to dress a brisket until January 2022 and made the top 10 twice without it. It's not a key ingredient, in Arnis's opinion. Joe Zavala. Um, the, it's fiction as well. They only use it for photo shoots because it helps make the, the photo look better and it lasts for hours and they don't have to keep replacing the meat as they sit in there for some of those photo shoots. Right. And, and yeah, he wasn't the only one, you know, Joe was one of a few that said that, you know, it's mostly a cosmetic thing. Um, so, so yeah, that was, that was kind of, you know, in a way debunking that myth. I know, like I said, tallow has been much discussed in many videos and, tutorials and youtubes and all that have been done um but according to many of the best and brightest it is not a critical piece of their process question two this is another pretty controversial one 
And this is brisket can be reheated and served the following day and still be great. And what we're talking about is not slices of brisket or brisket that you've taken home. We're talking about a whole brisket that is fully cooked and you can chill it or, or however you want to do it and then reheat it the next day and serve it. Absolutely. And so let's, uh, let's start with Leonard Botello on this one. Uh, Leonard's response to this was, no matter what you do, it's never going to be as good as the fresh brisket. Um, if it's properly chilled and by properly chilled, he means this was kind of your intention with the brisket, the whole process. It wasn't a, you, you know, you had it in the warm at the end of the day. And so you try to reheat it the next day. This is, you know, the actual process of once the brisket is finished, properly chilling it, vacuum sealing it, and then properly bringing it back up to temperature. He said, if you do that, you can get it close to where it was, you know, maybe about like a 90% of, of its, of its peak, if it was a hundred percent on, on day one. But, uh, but according to Leonard, it will never get quite as good as, uh, as it was when it was first fresh made. And, and along those same lines, Todd David at Cadillac Barbecue, yes, it can be done. It can be good, but it's not as good as fresh. Um, and, you know, it, would, it needs to be excellent to start with, and I think we had several terms on that. But let's have a few questions where there's a little difference there. Um, Lane Mill, uh, you know, yes, properly cooked and properly reheated brisket can be just as good. We also have... We also have Evan. Uh, Evan was kind of in between. Evan said kind of both. He said for regular restaurant and food truck service, he wouldn't do this unless it was repurposed in the form of another dish. Uh, but they've also had large events where it's impossible to cook that much food without having to reheat some. So, you know, for, for Evan, it sounds more like it's depending on the format in which it's going to be used. Absolutely. And Joe Zavala says, yes, it can be, but they only use theirs for their brisket tacos. Yeah, well, and that's one of the smart things that a lot of people in barbecue have done over the years is if, you, if you're not going to be able to serve that brisket at its, you know, peak, you know, optimum time, then, you know, if you have a little bit larger menu, um, there's ways to repurpose it, whether that's within brisket boudin or, you know, if, if it's more, if you have more of the, you know, Tex-Mex menu, you know, enchiladas and, and you know, Joe with the sloppy wands, you know, there's only so much you're going to be able to put in beans, but... But there's there's different dishes that you can reuse that with, and we're seeing a lot of people in barbecue because I mean, brisket is so expensive. You, you you know you try to repurpose it any way you can to where you're still getting a good product to serve to the customer. But uh, but yeah, I mean it's it's a tricky balance they try to go to. Yeah, so let's go on to the next one, which is prime brisket is required, and it's what's really needed to output the biggest, uh, the best quality product. We see this a lot as. You know, a lot of pitmasters have gone on the record as using prime and people have just gravitated toward that as being like, oh, you have to have prime to make a really good brisket. Um, some interesting, a, a couple of interesting ones on this. Yeah, um, let's, uh, I'll start with Joe Zavala on this one. Um, Joe's response was they use 44 Farms exclusively as their brisket provider and 44 Farms is upper two thirds choice brisket. Um, and they turn out really great product with that. So in Joe's opinion, no, it is not needed to, to turn out that premium final product. And, and Leonard, as long as proper cooking is done, it, it, you really don't have to have that prime, uh, but it is a little bit easier to turn out a good product with prime. So it's, you know, again, we've, we've said this before, you, you can't turn a select brisket into prime. You can't turn a choice into prime, uh, but properly cooked and skilled people can turn out an excellent product with it. Right. And Arnis's response to this was interesting. Um, Arnis said 10 choice briskets up against 10 prime briskets will lose every time. Although you can carefully select one choice brisket out of a bin at the grocery store that may save you money. Um, we're not going to get too much into the minutia of how beef is graded. 
But just to give you guys, if you're not aware, a quick overview. When it comes to grading beef, the USDA doesn't grade each individual cut of beef on a cow. Like that's just not feasible for them to do. Um, so what happens when when beef is graded? It's that it's sliced. I, I don't remember which rib it sliced at. Like the you know, I think it's the twelfth. The twelfth. I want to say it was the eleventh, twelfth, or twelfth or thirteenth. Yeah. They slice open the you know the eleventh, twelfth, or between the twelfth and thirteenth rib, and based on that rib alone, that's how the entire cow is graded. So, so yeah, you can absolutely go to a grocery store and you can find a brisket that's labeled as choice and you'll see the marbling in it and the fat and you're like, wait a minute, this looks like a prime brisket. Well, that cow was not graded based on that brisket. It was graded on that one rib. So just to give you guys a little bit of insight onto prime grading, that's uh, that's one of the things that, that you should know that, yes, you can get a choice brisket that has just as much or more marbling than some prime briskets that you'll get. So let's get on to the next one, which is also very interesting, I think. Um, the recipes that I give out during interviews and events are 100% accurate to how we cook and serve those items in our restaurant. Yeah, and I, I kind of want to preface this before we start reading some of the answers. So when you take a class from one of these guys, obviously they're going to try to give you the best possible experience and give you as much knowledge as they can. Um, but when, when it comes to giving out a specific recipe, they may or may not, for different reasons, they may or may not give you 100% what it is because a lot of times it's a process and it's a process that varies day to day. Um, and sometimes they just may not want to give you 100% of what their recipe is. I mean, the, a lot of these cooks and, and business owners have worked their butts off for years, you know, getting getting these recipes down and these processes down. They may not be in a hurry to tell everyone else how to do them. Well, and, and exactly to your point, you know, Lane's answer, I, I think, goes right, right along that too, is that Yes, they, they do, but they're always tweaking and experimenting. And so what they give out today and how they cook a week from now may change a little bit. Yeah, oh, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, that's that's one thing to always keep in mind, especially when you're talking about the best of the best, like the Goldies of the world, like the Cadillacs of the world. They are always looking to improve on an already great product. And so, yes, what they, what they were doing six months ago might be a little or might be radically different from what they're doing now if they found a, a better way to do it, uh, something that turns out a better end product. And, and sometimes they may, you know, we have some guys that just gave out blunt answers like, yes, that is true or no, that is not true. And right. uh, that, you know, that was the case with uh, with Todd. He said 100 percent true. Those the recipes he gives out are the recipes that, the, you know, that he uses. And I think there was one other one that was pretty interesting, which is um, that it it is true. But if somebody just keeps asking around, you know, some, hey, it's just salt and pepper, right? It's just salt and pepper, right? Um, sometimes, you know, they're, they're more tending to just say yes, you know, uh, just because people aren't truly interested in, in learning. They just want that quick answer. Yeah. I thought that, yeah, I thought that was a really interesting answer. So yeah, it, it, you know, sometimes it depends on how you ask guys, you know, so, uh, keep that in mind when you're badgering all these guys for answers to everything <laughs> you got. All right. The next one is, is a, is a bit complicated. Um, so, you know, listen to us, but also read along in, in the description of the episode, um, we're talking about ranking specific elements of the final product as to what is most important. We're going to assume that cooking method, yeah, that is properly, critical. yeah, properly yeah. cooking the brisket is obviously very, very critical because if you didn't properly cook it, none of the rest of what we're about to talk about matters. Um, so we intentionally left cooking out of the equation on this, which of course some of the pitmasters call us out and are like, "Of course, cooking is important." And we're like, "Yes, exactly. Of course, that's why we didn't include it." Um, but yeah, without further ado, here we go. Um, so we asked everybody in terms of the final product on brisket, 
to rank these four critical steps in the order of most critical to less critical, knowing that all four of them obviously are very critical. So the four that we asked them to rank are trimming of the brisket, seasoning of the brisket, resting and holding of the brisket, and slicing of the brisket. So let's just kind of go over the, the top one that most have uh, first. Not that they all have the same one, but let's just go over the, the most important one, single most important one. Um, I'll, I'll start with Leonard. Um, it is resting. And the piece that he really wants to go into is that he, he's at about 99% of people that, you know, lay people, not barbecue people, screw up the resting part. And one of the simplest things, but it's also very complicated, is and think about this it's not just that different meats need different resting time but just like we talked about uh, the the grading of the meat and the choice versus the prime two different briskets may need different resting time a larger brisket and a, and a smaller brisket may need d- different resting time so it's not just an, an a to b thing right and and joe and arnis both also had resting as their most critical piece when they uh, when they provided their answers arnis did of course he's one of the ones that said of course the cooking part is the most important well yes definitely the most important uh, but but of the four we're discussing yes he had resting as the top one as did joe as did leonard yep. and todd david had trimming as the, the most important and and if you have seen some of the pictures of trim briskets at cadillac they are uh, they're identical yeah, river which, pebbles which is kind of insane yeah. um but that's i mean that's just todd and cadillac's commitment to trying to put out the best final end product for their customers and and evan had a pretty interesting one seasoning yeah yeah and uh and which is which is interesting because i know you know from everything i've read heard seen understand like evan's brisket is very simply seasoned it's not an intricate rub or anything like that but but they make sure that they have the right mesh of pepper and all of that and everything coated well on the brisket and we just talked about how important cooking is and one of the most critical pieces let's talk about devices that can help you improve your cooking process yeah and of course one of the most critical things to any cook is the pit and and having a good sturdy reliable pit that you know you're going to have for a very long time and our latest sponsor is producing something we think is great for the backyard cook and that is pits and spits based out of our hometown of houston and you know some of the benefits and some of the features that we really like uh, fully welded steel heavy gauge steel uh, the stainless steel tops of them and you can even get them in full stainless if you want um, pretty unusual to have a smoker in full stainless, whether it's a pellet or whether it's an offset. Yeah, oh, and, and, and let's get into that. that. The product line that Pits and Spits has, they have everything a backyard cook could want, a competition cook could want. They've got wood pellet grills, charcoal grills, travel grills, combination pits, the hybrid offset. The fajita cooker. Yeah, that yeah. Do, yeah. Oh, the fajita yeah. cooker. Yeah, I mean, they've got so many things, and they're so customizable because they do everything in-house. Everything is built by Pits and Spits at their location. Um, so you can do that. And, they, and they, they know what they're doing. Over 40 years in business, guys. 40 years in business. And if you want something customized, if you want to take one of their existing pits and have it tweaked or have it customized, guess what? They can do that because, again, they, they build the pits right on hand. Absolutely. So whether you're into competition barbecue or you just want to take your backyard grilling game to the next level, they've got a product for you. Check out their website. Go to pitsandspits.com slash tails. That's two T's on pits. Two T's on spits, pitsandspits.com slash tails and use promo code tails for a free spice pack with your order of $500 or more. 
Tell them you heard about it on the show. Get your customizable pit. Yeah, even if you're just curious about some of the, the pits they have or you want some more details, hey, let them know that you heard it on the show. That helps us. It helps us bring you great content. And, of course, it helps our sponsors. So we would really appreciate that. Absolutely, guys. Pitsandspits.com slash tails. Tell them you heard it here. All right. So jumping back into these questions, um, this one is pretty interesting. Um, and we do have some different answers. It's not all the same. Uh, the most universally respected person within the barbecue community. These were some interesting answers. I'm going to start with Lane's because it made me laugh because um, that's just Lane. He's funny. Uh, Lane's answer was Daniel Vaughn and Goldie's. So there you go. <laughs> All right. And Joe Zavala. How about Joe? Uh, Fox Brothers, both Jonathan and Justin, um, you know, they're really willing to help in any way they can. They truly want the best for everyone. I mean, we became friends with them and, and highly respected by us as well. Not that that matters, that, that we respect them. These are pit masters, but, uh, but we think they're great guys as well. Absolutely. Uh, Arnis um, said it very well. Aaron Franklin took something that's been around forever and escalated to a level that none of us have been able to take higher. So Aaron Franklin was his answer. And Todd David, uh, Aaron Franklin, and Daniel Vaughn. Um, and Evan Leroy, Aaron Franklin. Yep. And then you had another Franklin cl connection with Leonard's answer, John Lewis. Absolutely. John Lewis, um, you know, starting out with Franklin, moving on to La Barbecue, moving on to Lewis Barbecue in Charleston, and now his new restaurant that's opening up. Yeah, Lewis Barbecue in Greenville, South Carolina. That sounds like they're getting closer and closer to opening that up. So, Oh, and of course, uh, John Lewis, his new um New Mexican restaurant that he opened in Charleston last year. Um, yeah, John Lewis's career in, in barbecue is huge and very influential. So that was uh, that was Leonard's answer on that one. Okay, coming up next is the barbecue world needs more of dot, dot, dot. Cheap food. <laughs> yes. <laughs> That's yes. another episode. Yes, free brisket. <laughs> free brisket for all. Um, no, so uh, let's just jump in there with Joe's answer first, right? And... Um, his thing is that we've really forgotten what we love to do, that they love to cook, they love to talk. Well, I don't think Joe forgot he loved to talk. Um, <laughs> loves to talk people and share a meal with people. Um, it's barbecue. We're not saving lives. Lighten up and enjoy it. Absolutely. Lane's answer was willingness to break the rules for yourself and not follow someone else's path. Absolutely. Um, Arnis has an interesting one. Uh, the barbecue world needs more consumer pricing education. And he said it gets old trying to explain why we're trying to sell brisket at $32 a pound. Um, also, another one that we hear a lot is, you know, that you're, you're charging for the bone inside of the beef rib. Um, and, and, it, and it is true. I mean, it's very difficult, but uh, people need to understand it's not just, you know, again, the biggest problem we see is HEB puts a brisket on sale for $1.89, right. a, a choice brisket, and it's for that weekend only. And people can't understand, you know, well, it's $1.89. How come you're not charging $1.89 for the finished product? And they don't put in the labor. It's not just the, it's not just the, all of the other overhead costs. The labor of cooking a brisket is, is wild because look how long it takes. Right. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it's, it, there's a lot that goes into it, folks. It's not just the price you see at HEB, um, which kind of ties into something that Todd said in that answer. His answer was simple. Cattle ranches. Um, and you know, Cadillac uses a very premium product brisket and, the part of the problem that a lot of barbecue joints, not just barbecue joints, but grocery stores and everyone in general are having with the price of beef is that it's dominated by a very select few mass producers of this meat. And so they're kind of 
there's not a lot of options that you can go to and get a product. And so they kind of get, get to control the prices. And unfortunately, it's just not something that's been solved yet. Um, hopefully, hopefully there are some solutions that come through, whether that's regulations or I don't know, but, but yeah, that's, uh, that's something that Todd said that, yeah, really rings true. And, and just volume in general, you know, we, we, we've talked to a lot of, of people to try to make them understand there's only two briskets on every cow. Doesn't matter how big the cow is. Doesn't matter how small the cow is. There's only two briskets. So if you've got a barbecue joint that's doing 100 briskets a day, that's 50 cattle that have to be harvested for that barbecue restaurant. Multiply that out times all of the barbecue restaurants across Texas, across the U.S., how popular Texas brisket has gotten outside of Texas. And imagine all of those cattle, you know, it's an unfortunate thing, but it's a fact of life. All of those cattle has to be harvested. That's that many cattle every day. So um, definitely volume. Um, Evan Leroy had one that is, is unmistakably Evan Leroy. So his answer was locality, regionality, and specialization. Yeah, I like that answer a lot. I mean, that's, yeah, very Evan. Um, but yes, we, we've talked about this before, too. And this is not just, obviously, we're not knocking Central Texas style or craft style, whatever you want to call it. We're not knocking that style of brisket or that style of barbecue. We love it. Um, but but we do worry that we could be losing some of that regionality in barbecue because this style has gotten so popular and it's you know the it's the style that has the most information out there about it so anyone that's wanting to get into barbecue and learn how to barbecue if you just start googling how do i learn how to barbecue or how do i learn how to like you're going to get central texas style videos and classes and you know, there's not a lot of regionality in terms of like how you can just learn this. It's very focused on one style. You know, and, and it's funny that you mentioned like going out and learning. Uh, Leonard Batella said, you know, what it needs more of is teachers that don't give out false hope or false information. And what he's really talking about, as, as we discussed it with him a little further, is it's, you know, it's so many people want a step by step guide. And, you know, we've, we've heard many times people want to know exactly what the fire temperature should be, exactly what temperature do you pull brisket, exactly how long do you rest brisket. We, we brought that up earlier this episode. And and again, every cow is different. Every just, you know, it, it's kind of a weird connection. But if you look at people, every person's body is shaped differently. And so if you're going to cook people, no, we're not going to cook people. But but as you can imagine that cattle are different. So every one of those briskets can cook differently. So there's not, you need those guides as a baseline, but then you need the experience and the, and the effort and the work to produce a great brisket. So going back to the next question or going on to the next question, I should say, we got, we talked about what the barbecue world needs more of. Now we're going to talk about what the barbecue world needs less of. Um, and I'm going to start with Evan again, because it's something that he's, been you know kind of banging the drum on for a long time less brisket and beef in general and and i'm not gonna i'm not gonna put words in evan's mouth i'm not sure exactly what he meant by that but knowing knowing what Leroy and lewis has specialized in i would say part of that is the sustainability of, of producing this much beef all the time um this you know and not just that the the cost of doing that beef is so expensive so finding things that make your menu more profitable for you as a business and and we can look at it ourselves, Brian and I, from from a consumer standpoint. You know, it's nice to not just have beef on top of beef on top of beef on a menu. It's nice to have those options of whether it's pork or chicken or or turkey or or what have you or tacos. You know, there's there's a lot more you can do in the barbecue world. And and some of the a lot of the people that we talked to on this panel 
are uh, are kind of good examples of that. You know, Todd David had one that's pretty funny because it, it's 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 very straight, but I can hear it coming out of his mouth too. Fast food chains claiming to sell barbecue. Yes, we do need less of that. Yes, you know, and that's obviously um, you know Arby's uh, selling brisket. Subway had brisket a while back. You know, and and we're talking not just about brisket. We're talking about barbecue in general. But, right. Um, you know, it 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 waters down what barbecue is. Right. Oh, and, and it comes back to the sustainability again. I mean, how many briskets right. is subway going through if they run a sandwich special on brisket or arby's or or name whatever fast food joint you want to name that's doing any sort of brisket special poor ramon's overworked yeah that's right poor poor ramon the pitmaster at subway and and the problem is too of course you know it's that price problem so if you're getting a brisket sandwich at arby's for whatever price they pay and you go to a restaurant a true barbecue restaurant and they charge more you, you you just you get misaligned to that a little bit um you know speaking about flavor and kind of on that same effort lane's answer bland barbecue yeah, who, who needs bland barbecue yeah. there's 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 too much good barbecue out there to eat bland barbecue well you know let's jump on one more let's all right let's say joe's because all right all right joe's joe's answer is is weighted by a recent trip he took with us i think um <laughs> so is, so is his answer to the next question but go on <laughs> yes um so it needs less uptight um and i think he means uptight people in general um, uptight barbecue world people, barbecue mentors, all of that. Um, it's barbecues and classic joints that have been open for a long time because they want to feed them people and they want to be there for people to come together. And he saw that on that trip, just like how pure barbecue can be. Yeah. Um, and, and I think that really, really still resonates with him. Yeah, no, I, I think, uh, I think that's, that's a very good point. You know, we've heard that from from a couple of people, not necessarily on this panel, but just in general, a couple of people just saying like, people need to realize. You know, pe- some people are starting to get into barbecue or have gotten into barbecue for what may not be the best reasons. I mean, it may seem like the popular thing to do now, but barbecue is a community service. I mean, it's a business, of course, but it was serving your local community and trying to put out the best product for your customers. And I'm not saying that people aren't trying to put out a great product. There's more great product out there now than ever. But sometimes in in the social media world, I guess it's kind of easy to lose sight of that day-to-day target. So the next one is pretty fun, actually, which is um, what is your favorite bite of barbecue of all in all of barbecue? And we, we're all over the place. There's a few common ones that we'll, we'll also talk about. Um, let's start with Todd David, I think, as well. Ribs off the street in St. Louis as a child. And I know he doesn't mean like, on the street <laughs> but but I, I i imagine he ate quite a few ribs out there st louis ribs um and st louis style ribs i guess would be served in st louis I, uh, yeah, sound, I mean, sounds logical yeah, but yeah, it sounds logical <laughs> yeah um and so that one was was pretty interesting yeah well and it comes back to like those those memory receptors that barbecue have like where you can you just you have those fond memories of certain bites that you had whether i mean not even just barbecue but food in general i think does that for people where you can you can taste something that has a similar seasoning or flavor to it that that takes you back to something you ate as a kid. Um, so yeah, I thought that was a really good one. Um, Arnis's was the the famous Tejas chili relleno. Uh, you know, the first time you get that bite, it, it's it's so memorable, and um, it and it's consistent. I mean, it's been the same since they created it, which is great. It's always that same flavor, but it's it's a really unique sausage. Yeah, and uh, Evan had a. Mix of old school and new school on his. Um, the Kreitz jalapeno cheese sausage, 
our our famous shirt ruiner, uh, <laughs> yes. the the fatty, juicy, greasy, delicious Kreit sausage, and then the uh, briskets, pork belly, and jelly. Um, if you guys aren't familiar, one of the newer places to open in Austin over the last year, um, opened by uh, uh, Chris McGee and Will Spence, is uh, briskets, which is a truck that's doing. They do some. They do a barbecue menu as well, but they're really known for the amazing house-made biscuits that they're doing and making jelly in-house to to pair with they have a brisket one a uh, a pork belly one which is the one that evan was talking about and then uh, they have some more like you know classics like bacon egg and cheese sort of things too and and while lane did list seven bites as his best bites <laughs> um one of those was also the the pork belly and jelly brisket at briskets nice nice he also listed the sausage at Kreitz. Uh, yep. Yeah, right. so, so, yeah. Him and him and Evan had that in common. Leonard had specific days of his life that he remembered. Um, Leonard mentioned the beef rib he had from John Lewis at La Barbecue in like circa 2013. He said 2012, 2013, and then uh, the whole hog he got from Sam Jones at the Southern Smoke event a few years back as well. Yeah, and both of those, I mean, same thing. Like, like your first bite of great whole hog is is pretty eye opening as well. Yeah, it's it's a memorable thing. Um, you know, Joe, um, Joe's got a few of them in there. We'll, we'll do his first one, which was Jordan Jackson's brisket. Um, especially back when Jordan Jackson was at Bodacious. Yep. Um, some phenomenal brisket there. Um, one of the other ones he mentioned was, was Reed Guess's pork ribs, um, and Kalakni's pork steak. Shout out to Kalakni. There you go. Yeah. Well, we should have asked Joe these questions before we took this road trip. Cause now <laughs> 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 ever since we took Joe on that road trip, all he wants is, like Kalakni and Lockhart food, which is not a bad thing to want. Don't get me wrong. Right, right. It's just it's just great just to get people hooked onto that stuff. It is. Um, I mean, we're hooked on it, so it's uh, it's great to drag people down with us. All right. Um, last question. Question yeah. ten. The biggest myth slash misconception about barbecue is. And this is a pretty wide ranging question, so um, it, it's kind of interesting. Um, I'll just start. I've, I've got Leonard's answered right in front of me. Um, is, is that barbecue needs to be complicated, which is a myth. It really doesn't need to be. Dial it down to fewer ingredients. He specifically mentioned, like some people have asked him, you know, do you need to inject your brisket? And understand that complications in your, in your rubs and injections is what you do need for competition style. You absolutely need that kind of stuff in competition. But that's not what you serve to people every day. It's really not what you would serve to people that are going to eat a whole plate of barbecue. It's a different world. Yeah, and and Evan had a very similar answer to that. You know, the, with uh, the biggest myth being that it has to be complicated. He said, you know, he said barbecue basics. We take a very simplistic approach: salt and pepper most of the time. We wrap with our house sauces. They're not doing any intricate sauces or glazes. Um, so so Evan was kind of kind of in a similar vein to, to Leonard on that answer in terms of uh, of what he thought the biggest myth or misconception was. Arnest one, Arnest is one that, um, again, we already touched on a little bit about charts and graphs, which is um, there's absolute temperatures on finishing temperatures and, and how you do things specifically to a number. And I know people get frustrated when, and it's always been kind of like this old school barbecue joke, like it's ready when it's ready and, you know, you feel it and there's not a temperature, but it's, it's really true. And the more you cook, the more you find that out. Yeah, Joe, Joe's answer was well, one of the big, biggest myths or misconceptions is social media. And I think what he means by that, and he does elaborate here, um, is n- not that social media is a myth. It's that social media can kind of give off the impression that 
that this whole thing is easy, which it, it very much is not. It's hard, and this is this is quoting Joe. It's hard, and people don't see it. Uh, they only see the wet briskets or the long lines. They don't see the blood, sweat, and tears that go into it. It beats people down, and you really do have to love it to do it. And you know, I mean, not to get sidetracked here, but you you said the word the phrase beats people down, and I mean, there's there's a lot of frustration in barbecue. Um, you know, not just temperatures and prices. And, um, I've, I've seen, I've seen pitmasters that got a load of wood and it wasn't, it wasn't quality. It was either too not seasoned enough or sometimes over seasoned, but usually not seasoned enough, or even the splits are way too big. And all of those things drive frustration. Even some people that have built brand new pit rooms and the airflow doesn't work inside of the pit room and they're struggling. So, I mean, there's a, there's a tremendous amount that goes into that. Um, and, and Todd, David, um, this one, I mean, we've heard a million times, hopefully everybody on our show understands this, but, um, I'm sure he gets this question a lot yep. or this complaint a lot, really. The biggest misconception is that it's easy to make more barbecue. Um, and you know, again, everybody sh- on this show knows, I mean, it takes, I mean, brisket's really like a 24 hour process because it's not the cooking time. It's the seasoning, the trimming, the cooking, the rest, the hold. And of course it takes up a lot of space on the pit. Um, you cannot just make more, but even, even not just brisket. I mean, you can't, I mean, chicken, maybe an hour and a half, but yeah, I mean, depending on, you know, what, you know, what you're cooking, you know, right. what you're cooking on and all of that. But yeah, I mean, brisket is a long, long process. I mean, sausage is like a three day process from start right. to well, finish. Uh, yeah. I was going to say not, not even just taking this to brisket, but putting out a menu and especially, I mean, going to Todd David, the, the menu at Cadillac is incredibly expansive. Yeah, just you go know, cook another whole hog. Right. I mean, yeah. I mean, they're they're cooking direct heat. They're they're cooking on I think four offset pits. I mean, it's it's a lot that goes into what Cadillac is doing, and not just not just Cadillac. Pretty much everybody on this panel and people not on this panel. It takes a lot of work. It takes a team of people to put out a full menu of barbecue, and and let's face it, guys. Everyone has a business model, and that business model maybe. I mean, there are places that are putting out literally over a hundred, sometimes two hundred briskets a day. That's their business model. They have an army of people doing that and helping them do that. There are people that are putting out 12 briskets a day, 40. I mean, there's all sorts of business models when it comes to cooking barbecue. And it's not just easy to say, like, make more. Well, no, this is the business that I've chosen to operate, and this is how I'm able to operate it. And, you know, that that is what it is. And, you know, getting a customer to understand that is not always the easiest thing we under, when we get that. And and last but not least, and let's this is the last answer and the last question, Lane Milne's answer, no smoke. Yeah, and I and I think that mostly goes to it's one thing that, that I've heard the guys at Goldie's talk about a lot and uh it's it's that you you don't want any dirty smoke in the barbecue. And and there's always this negative connotation to dirty smoke. Again, I'm not gonna put words into to Lane's mouth, but one of the things that, that they've talked about a lot is that yes, you do have to have some dirty smoke. You want a smoke flavor well, on the smoke. You want smoke. Yes. Which is different than dirty smoke. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. I mean there there's you know, obviously you don't want, you know, wet wood stagnant in the pit or something like that. But but you do want smoke on the meat. You don't want it to just be a meat that happened to be in a vessel that used offset cooking. And and you know one of the 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 benefits of these propane tank cookers is how efficient and fast they cook. And when you have the the fire boxes that are insulated, they're super efficient with the wood. And it's actually you you have to work sometimes to get good smoke in there because they they burn so quickly and efficiently. Also, uh, some of the reverse flow pits, you've also got a lot of that radiant heat. And so you need to make sure you do have some smoke coming across there. Yeah. And one thing I think that's great to point out is, is every single person that we've talked about on this panel 
Guys, if you want to learn, every single one of them has some form of classes you can learn from. Uh, Goldie's is doing a class. Um, they or By the time this is aired, Goldie's will have already done their class. But hopefully they will be doing more classes in the future. I would think they would. Um, but yes, Goldie's is an opportunity for a class. Josevala does classes, you know, periodically. Not, I, I don't know that he has a set schedule, but I know he just finished one, and hopefully we'll be doing another one soon. Evie Mace has done classes as well. Um, Todd David doesn't necessarily do classes, but the first Saturday of every month, Brian. Pitmasters and Punch. Uh, you get to go hang out in the pit room with them. No charge at all. And he answers questions, and he answers them honestly. Um, great way to go go back there and just get kind of get your feet wet about whether you want to go further and take another class from someone else too right and then last but not least of course uh Leroy and Lewis does very immersive classes um, I think a, a couple of times a year um, and they also have their patreon where they're putting out weekly videos that you subscribe to as well and Leonard is doing classes um, so yeah there's every single person on this panel has some sort of tutorial or classes that you can take and and get some of their knowledge and at the end of the day, you have to want to do it. You have right. to be committed to it. They they can only show you so much. If you're not willing to put in the blood, sweat, and tears that Joe Zavala talked about, you're only going to get so far. And, and there is absolutely no replacement for experience. Um, I mean, we've cooked dozens of briskets. I'm not going to say hundreds, but we've We're cooked. not good at it, but we've done it. <laughs> yeah, we've done it. And you know what? We need to cook more. I mean, and, and like some of the things like cooking ribs, um, we had we had the pleasure of, of helping out at, at barbecue camp one year. Uh, with Texas A&M that's going on this weekend although it'll be over but that's a great a great experience but we were able to cook racks and racks and racks of ribs and what it allowed us to do is as as we felt we could now really clearly see and well really clearly feel but when they were ready and so that that was a huge thing and we cooked a crap load of 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 pork butts once 64 pork butts on a pit that had all sorts of different temperatures throughout the pit um but but (laughs) Cooking 64 pork butts, I guarantee you at one time, I guarantee you, you will you will learn much faster and easier when they're ready as opposed to cooking one at a time, 64 times. Right. So, yeah, go out there, get the knowledge, put in the work if, if this is the path you want to go on. Um, but, but yeah, thank you to everybody that responded to, to these questions. Thank We'd you. love to do this more often. So Absolutely. thank you to those that did it. Hopefully you'll want to do it again. And for those of you that, you know, Apologize if we didn't get to you this time and you wanted to be part of it. Absolutely. Yeah. And thank um, you to everyone that submitted questions. Yeah. It was it was great to get. This makes know. it easy for us. Yeah. It was great. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. <laughs> no, uh, it was it was a lot of fun putting this together. Like I said, we we're really happy we got some some great feedback and some great answers uh, from everybody on it. Um, but again, thank you to listening. Thank you for listening. Follow along with us. Tales from the Pits on Instagram. Be, support our sponsors. Please support our sponsors. That helps us continue to bring you these episodes. Um, it's it, you know it's fun for Brian and I, but it is a lot of work to do what we do, and we're we're more than happy to do it. But we're, hopefully, we're getting better. We don't know, but hopefully, we are. And we, yeah. hopefully, after five years, we're better than we were five years ago. Um, but yeah, thank you guys for listening. Follow along on all the good social channels. Support our sponsors. Most importantly, support these barbecue joints, the ones that are on the show, the ones that aren't on your show. Support your favorite local barbecue joints, and uh, let us know about them. Cheers. <laughs>